I want to talk about the question I asked off the top of the show as to whether or not we have this two-tier justice system, because if you ask me, it certainly looks like this, and it comes out of a court ruling on a high-profile murder case out of Hamilton. This is the case of a Brock University student who was shot and killed while coming to the aid of an elderly man who was being harassed by the gunman. And the gunman, who was an indigenous man, ended up being acquitted of the second-degree murder. And the Crown appealed the grounds that the trial judge refused to allow the accused man's lengthy criminal record to be brought up during the trial. So according to the judge, it was fair because of the systemic discrimination against Indigenous people and the experience of things like family separation, abuse, and addiction. So that stood. And then an appeal court weighed in on it in Ontario and backed the judge saying, yeah, this is okay. And so this is where we're at, which moving forward means... You know, the criminal record of an indigenous person or any other marginal group, I guess, could be excluded from a trial to preserve fairness. But the question then is, fairness to who? Let me bring in Ari Goldkind, who's a criminal lawyer and probably saw this ruling uh, when it came out. I appreciate you joining us. Great to be with you, Alex. So I look at this and I see this as um, unfair because it essentially creates a two-tier system. How do you see this? Well, there is no doubt that there is a two-tier system. <clears throat> so I'm going to take my criminal defense hat off for a minute. I'll put it back on as we go, probably. But there is absolutely a two-tier system, not only when it comes to this issue. And you asked who's it good for, or who's it fair to. That's the important part of this question, Alex, which is where is the pendulum swung? And the pendulum right now has swung so far away from innocent victims ordinary average citizens who deserve protection from the most violent. And it has swung because of a sort of intelligentsia, sort of elite, sort of ivory tower view that the courts are going to fix problems in our society that politicians don't seem to be able to get a handle on. What that does is it creates, without question, a two-tiered system of law, which is the premise of your question. That is not only at play when it comes to the records of people. I don't know if we have time to get into why that's <laughs> so important, but I can assure you it is. But it also comes into play in two other areas, and this is important. Sentencing, yeah, which reflects society's condemnation sure. or need to separate people from society who may go out and harm some of Alex Pearson's friends, family, or acquaintances. And it also will start to come into play more and more at the bail stage. That's mm. extraordinarily critical, Alex, when you look at the number of people released who have previous weapons prohibitions, previous weapons convictions. You are now going to see more and more and more race or religious or creed coming into play at the risk management stage. And that is something that the public is woefully, woefully uneducated about. And even if yeah. they were educated about it, they'd likely know to zip their lips because you're not allowed to talk about this. 
Well, I think only because I covered courts that I basically got a, an understanding of how it works and how it doesn't. And in a normal world, the accused record is a key part of a Crown's case because it speaks to the character. And, you know, you have to have context of what we're dealing with and presenting that to the jury. And I use the case of, let's say, um, Dellen Millard, who had two outstanding criminal issues while his first trial was going on for the murder of Tim Bosma. That was not allowed into the case because that would prejudice the, the trial. Trial. But, you know, if, you, if, if you're excluding something that speaks to the character of the person, then you're not giving the jury the full context of what they're dealing with. Um, the other example I looked at was Miles Sanderson, who, you know, had he lived and been taken to court, would people be okay with the jury not knowing that he had a violent criminal history? Um, those are the things. So again, it's a slippery slope, but I don't see how this doesn't get uh, appealed to the you know, Supreme Court well, of Canada. I don't understand how this stands, because the, the Crown essentially has their hands tied behind their back now with this. Well, the Supreme Court of Canada won't overturn this, Alex, for a number of reasons that we can't get into. Suffice it to say, the Supreme Court is moving uh, in the direction yeah. the Court of Appeal is, and that's all I'll say about that. But let's explain to people, just to put it to explain how the sausage is made, what we're talking about. Dale yeah. King, the case you're talking about, he walks free, even though he's the young, he's the man who shot yeah. the young Muslim man who was doing nothing besides being a good Samaritan. Meanwhile, the paramedics in that case, they're convicted. Go, go find the irony uh, of that yeah. for failing to provide that. That's a whole different segment. But for people who don't understand what we're talking about, Dale King essentially said, I'm defending myself. Okay. The reason his record, whether he's Indigenous or not, and that's a card that can often be played in the criminal justice system without a lot of verification or, or, or backup. But the point of it is this. If you say you're defending yourself, that's fine. A jury should have that before them. They're the trier of fact. But if your criminal record shows that you're a ticking time bomb, you go pick fights every minute of the day. You've picked 20 fights in your life and you've got 20 convictions for initiating violence. Maybe a jury should have access to that information, whether you're Indigenous, Jewish, Muslim, Black, Asian, Greek, or Portuguese. The Court of Appeal and courts below have come and said, look, because of all of these different factors or the word overrepresentation, which is a completely misunderstood word again, by the way, in the criminal justice system. We're going to keep that from the jury. And that to me, Alex, deprives the jury, not prejudicially, right. where prejudice right. outweighs what's called probative. I'm being a little bit cliched as a lawyer here, but you're depriving the jury of the full picture here to assess what happened to a young man. So while this is great for me, Alex, let me be very clear. Yeah, and, no, and I, I know it's, it's great for defense critical. lawyers. It's yeah. great for me, it's fantastic. That can't be the only litmus test that there is. And that's why these rulings, I'm very concerned about it. I'm outspoken about it. It seems to ignore the real effect of crime and it allows all of this reverse social engineering to excuse away, whether it's bail or sentencing, people's deeds that are of an operating mind that they're choosing to do, but they get to play a card that in my view does have a place at times, Alex, if you grew up with sure. nothing and you've had to yeah. steal or, you know, uh, give a fake name at a motel because your parents have nowhere to sleep. That's okay. I don't see that as the same crime of dishonesty as just some greedy fraudster, but there is also 
has to be some balance as to where that excuse can no longer be an excuse. But we already have. So we already have rules on the books where a judge can look at a situation. They can look at an entire case and and they have the discretion to use certain rulings in certain times. And also um, they can keep evidence out based on what they feel is prejudicial or not. So if someone, uh, you know, like Dylan Marlar, I'll go back to that example. You know, if he has other things that would prejudice the trial or the jury, that was all kept out because the tools are already on the books. This takes the tool right off the book. I don't see how this works moving forward because for defense lawyers it's fantastic but for the scales of justice and to keep things fair and certainly for justice for the victims that somehow never count in these things i don't see how this serves anybody long term i just really don't well it serves the people who have benefited greatly in the last two and a half to three years from the movement that we've all had to live some of it good some of it very counterproductive you're seeing that with the pushback of defund the police for example, in Minneapolis, which is now Murderopolis. But this is something that comes into play throughout the criminal justice system. And while judges will have some discretion here, this is not compulsory that this is be done. What do you think? And I asked this rhetorically. You're going to appeal it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, what do you think most judges will tend to do when faced with these sensitive, politically correct decisions Do you think they're going to err on the side of doing in their gut what they think they should be doing? Or do you think they'll err on the side of, look, the court of appeal says if you're X or if you're Y, there's another example of race coming into play with charter violations that somebody, for example, who's Asian may feel more offended or more worried when dealing with a police officer than somebody of another race. And that leads to evidence being excluded. This is a slippery slope, which Alex is a cliche that I often Mm -hmm. say means wear better shoes. The problem is the courts of appeal who have the opportunity to weigh in here and say, look, if you're going to go down this road, you really, really have to solidify this with some reasoning that isn't simply just the ethos of today, uh, where we are in the zeitgeist. You know, a murder, for example, you mentioned Dale King, is an assault without a body to testify about what happened to them. There can't be a finger on the scale of justice. And the last thing I'll say about this, Alex, is we tend to take the view that the system has gotten everything wrong up until this point. Well, it hasn't. The system has worked quite well for many years with certain exceptions. Now, making everything dependent on the color of the skin, the religion being done, that seems to me to be about as undemocratic and illiberal going back to what those words mean than anything that I can possibly imagine in a country that says it has the rule of law. And that sort of means you approach things blindly without a finger on the scale, depending on what demographic is involved. Well, people should consider themselves warned. And uh, I appreciate you talking about this. Thanks a lot, Ari. Thanks, Alex. That is Ari Golkin uh, joining us. So uh, again... Not just a slippery slope, it is done.